Jets fans, Winnipeg continues to roll on with a 14-6 and 1 record so far. The Jets are flying high and they welcome two teams that, well, a lot of people are expecting the Jets to thoroughly defeat. Now, I'm going to be honest, there are some players on both the Anaheim Ducks and Columbus Blue Jackets that are probably worth watching out for. We'll talk about who the danger men are for these teams and what we should expect from Winnipeg on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. For Locked On, the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's tonight's episode, like I said, uh, I wanted to take a look at Winnipeg uh, versus a couple of opponents over this upcoming weekend. The Jets are going to be welcoming both the Columbus Blue Jackets and Anaheim Ducks on Friday and Saturday, respectively. Now, these teams, yeah, Let's just say both Columbus and Anaheim are probably not going to be thrilled with how their seasons have started. You know, and that's kind of being pretty generous. Let's be real. These teams have basically sucked and it's it's been a really tough start. You know, there's probably a variety of reasons, injuries, maybe some coaching stuff, uh, the lack of depth with the Ducks. I mean, it wasn't really a shock, right? This is a team that's still kind of rebuilding and Anaheim is very much in a state where you know, some of their young talents really starting to make the NHL and play a pivotal role. But for the most part, you're not really seeing a lot of depth past the young stars. So this is a team that maybe three to four years from now might be a lot different. But as it is right now, a, a bottom feeder, and it's not shocking. Columbus, I think, is the really big surprise, though. I mean, look, let's be real. The Jackets haven't been good for a while, right? But in previous seasons, they've managed to push this team a lot further than anyone really expected. I think, of course, the the biggest moment being when they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But this team, as it is now, right, it's had a disastrous start. And that's really surprising considering how much the front office did to try and make this team a real contender. Uh, Johnny Goudreau was brought in, and he's been actually very good for them. He's got 22 points in 21 games. He's been their lead offensive contributor it's kind of the rest of the team around him that's the problem. You look at, you know, the the rest of the scoring list and it's Jenner, uh, Kent Johnson, Igor Chinnikov. And you might be saying, well, what's wrong with having Jenner and some of the kids, right? Well, you realize that it's 22 points, then 15, then 11, 11, 10, and so on and so forth. So offensive production for this Jackets team has been, to put it mildly, difficult. This team just isn't scoring a lot. And if anyone in the top six isn't performing, you know, the rest of the lineup's not really able to pick up the slack. And if you look at the defense, it's not doing super well, right? This is a team that for some reason gave a massive contract to Eric Branson. And, you know, on top of an already middling defense, Orinsky's gone down. 
Um, and, and let's be honest, good Branson is not really the kind of guy that I'm looking for to captain and lead the top four of a real contender. Uh, they've also lost, you know, on the offensive side of things, Patrick Laine. He's actually been activated alongside goalie uh, Elvis Merzlikens. Both of them should be with the team tomorrow. I think there's a pretty good chance Laine should actually draw into the lineup, and that's probably a very happy moment for them. Laine's had a relatively quieter start to the season. You know, he's got four points in eight games. What's interesting is that he's actually changed his game a good bit since arriving. It seems like he's focusing even more on two-way play, some defensive work, and it's had an impact in terms of like what his underlying metrics are. But, you know, I don't know that Patty will ever be quite the all-star, all-star superstar stud that he was drafted to be when Winnipeg took him. But I think he can still be a very serviceable top six forward with one of the best shots in the league. That part is never going to go away. He's still going to be a power play menace. And I think for the Jets, you know, keeping Goudreau, Jenner, Line off that top power play unit, making sure that you stay disciplined, I think should get the Jets over the line. You know, the goalies for them right now, um, Merzlikens and, and Corpusalo aren't really doing all that well. Uh, both of them are rocking sub 900 save percentages. So I think for the Jets, this should be a really, really straightforward win. I think Winnipeg could win 4-1 or maybe 5-1, 5-2 if we're maybe being generous to the Jackets here. I expect Hellebuck will probably shut the door unless he gets the night off. Maybe Riddick would come in. I don't know. But usually the Jets tend to ride Helly, and I would be surprised if he doesn't play tomorrow. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a good chance the Jets are going to come away with a victory. Now, you know, I, I think one question Jets fans have had is, you know, how are Liney and Roslevic doing since leaving Winnipeg? And it's not really been smooth sailing. After that first initial jump for Roslevic, he's really slowed down. And this year, he's even been getting benched a couple of times. It sounds like he was actually on the trade block. He's got like six points in 18 odd games, which is not terrible, but it's also not very good. And suddenly, you know, the steal of that trade is looking a lot more modest. I think they've tried to force him down at center, which is not something he's really uh, capable of doing, at least at the NHL level. And, you know, the rest of his game was always more suited to being a complimentary player rather than being the star number one forward. So a lot of work for this team to do. I, I think that they're not really happy with where they're at. And I, I think the coaching staff has a lot of questions to answer. For the Jets, this is a, a relatively easy two points, I would say. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, opponents of the NHL, there are no easy days. And I think it's important for the Jets to remember that. They've done a good job so far of taking care of business, but now would not be the time to slack off. So, you know, Winnipeg, be on your best guard tomorrow. I think the Jackets are going to be desperate for a big showy win, especially against a team that is now considered to be one of the best in the league. You know, the Jets are climbing up the power ranking. So people are taking notice. And when people take notice of the Jets, you notice that they play Winnipeg a lot harder. So let's hope that the Jets are uh, one of those under the radar favorites for something fun down the road and that they get both points. I mean, that's all we really want, right? We just need the Jets to take care of business. That is as much as I could ask for, and I think that's about what everyone else could ask for. Now, speaking of taking care of business, the Jackets aren't the only rough team that the Jets are going to be facing this weekend. They've also got a date with the Anaheim Ducks, and that team is a little bit more potent. We'll talk about who we should be worried about and which players might even make sense for potential dream scenario trades in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at betonline.net. 
BetOnline is your number one source for all these all of these sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis you need. Whether you're following professional or amateur sports, they've got everything from football, basketball, hockey, golf, soccer, esports, and so much more. You know, auto racing if you're into that. They've also got horse racing for the Triple Crown stuff. No matter what you're into, they've got you covered for all of your favorite sports. And they've also got Vegas casino games for those of you who are looking for maybe a non-sports change of pace. If you want something that's not even betting related, they've also got great sports podcasts, news articles, and expert insights and analysis so that you'll always stay plugged into your favorite sport at all times. Getting started really couldn't be easier. Just register for a free account right now at betonline.net on your laptop or mobile or laptop or mobile device because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are now moving on to talking about the Anaheim Ducks and what the Ducks have accomplished so far. You know, this is a team that, for all intents and purposes, is very much still in the rebuild process, but that doesn't mean Winnipeg can, uh, you know, slop off at all here. This is a squad that still has some really dangerous uh, players, and I think the Jets are going to have to be on their best behavior. Before we talk about which uh, you know players on this Ducks roster are, are really worth keeping an eye out for, be sure to make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, Locked On Sports Today helps you go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with our local experts who provide you insights that only Locked On has got for you. Be sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. It's available on the same ones that we're on, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now because, again, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, looking at the Ducks roster, obviously this team hasn't won very many games. Uh, both of them, I think, are actually trailing the Arizona Coyotes in the standings. Uh, Columbus, you know, a point behind. I think the Ducks are even worse, maybe two or three points behind. It's been a grim, grim start to the season. So, you know, Anaheim is really hoping for some kind of a rebound somewhere. But in the meantime, they've got a couple of young players who have really stepped up. Troy Terry has 24 points in 23 games and continues to be a two-way monster for this team. He's been their most creative force. He's been maybe one of the main unifying pieces of this entire offense and just an absolute dynamite player. He's actually somebody that I saw some Jets fans on Twitter discussing about potentially acquiring in a trade. The problem for the Jets is he's an RFA and he doesn't really seem like he wants to leave. I think there's a good chance he signs an extension Maybe Anaheim's front office has communicated something to him that suggests they've got a really good plan in place. And, uh, you know, living in California is not so bad, right? It's a pretty comfy, cozy place. Anaheim, I've heard mixed reviews on, but all the same, it's still, you know, close enough to plenty of cool places. And you look at the rest of the team and there's there's some burgeoning scoring ability here that might be worth sticking around for. One of them is Trevor Zegers, who's got 20 points in 23 games. He's been such a dynamic force. He's less of like a play controller and play driver than Troy Terry is. Zegris is the kind of guy who really needs elite line mates to kind of thrive. I would like, I guess, compare him to Kyle Connor in that sense, where Kyle is good at creating space when he's in possession. But in terms of knowing how to how to attack space, how to drive, um, I guess what they call magnetism towards him, you know, especially with drawing defenders to you and all of that stuff. He still needs some help, right? Zegers can really punish pucks in front of the net. He's got unbelievable stick handling skills, creativity for days, and naturally gifted offensive instincts. It's just there are parts of his game where he's still developing, and so he just needs that extra little boost to kind of push him over the edge. 
as far as the rest of this team is concerned, kind of like Columbus, after those top scores, you realize it falls off really quickly. You know, the next closest score is a tie between like three or four players. It's like Henrik, Strom, Fowler, and Mason McTavish. And they've all got between like 11 and 12 points. So, you know, in terms of secondary scoring, it's not awful if that was like a third line. But, you know, all of these guys, uh, Fowler aside, you know, they're all supposed to be playing in the top six for this team. So, yeah, I, I think Ducks are, are kind of at a tough spot. But, I mean, everyone sort of expected it, right? This is a team that's still very much in the rebuilding stages. There's a bright, there's a bright promising future for the squad in a few years. But I think until some of these prospects really start to deliver, until they, you know, continually hit on guys like Zegris and start adding more of this offensive depth up top, it's going to be a bit of a tough road. Again, would the Jets be able to acquire somebody like Troy Terry in a deal? And how much would that even cost? I'm going to guess it's probably, you know, starting with a couple of firsts or something like that. Maybe a Billy Heinle or something thrown in. It'd be a massive package, and I just don't think it's particularly realistic. I, I kind of put him in the Timo Meyer category, but the difference is Meyer's like 28 or 29, right? Troy is, what, 24, 25? And in my mind, I, I think Terry would be the kind of player that if the Jets are trading for him, it's because he's going to extend long-term and become a core part of this team. If that's the kind of player that you're looking to bring in and you're trading Heinola away, I will 100% accept that. I think that's a very you know worthy risk to take. It's a use of assets that makes sense. And I think for the from the Jets' perspective, look, as long as Hellebuck is on this team, this squad is a contender of some sort. Maybe not a very good one, maybe a bit of a fake one, but Hellebuck covers so much of this team's issues that it's unreal. I mean, somebody brought up a stat, you know, comparing all of the big, you know, goals above replacement players uh, from like, you know, the last five or six years, right? And Hellebuck is at the top of the list, man, and by like a huge margin. The amount of stuff that Helly does for this team is ridiculous. So as long as he's under contract and he's still here as a member of the Jets, you need to take every opportunity you can to win. And if you're swinging for the fences, you're going for a Meyer, you're going for a Terry, and you send off some really good prospects or something, I can get behind that. Maybe not Brad Lambert necessarily, but other players of that caliber I, I would be okay with. Um, Terry would be you know one of Winnipeg's immediate best players. He'd be an interesting replacement for Ehlers in the time being. Once Ehlers comes back, I mean, you still would have like one of the most ridiculously stacked top nines in the league. So we'll see what the Jets do. I mean, I'm not expecting any blockbusters this year, but maybe Shovel Day Off has something in store for us, a little bit of a, a little bit of a surprise. That's all I can hope for. But yeah, we'll see what they do. In the meantime, Jets really need to take care of business. I'm going to call this one a closer win. I think it's probably like three to two. You know, Anaheim has been a pest this year and has kind of push the Jets, you know, even with just some goaltending, it's been frustrating to really squeeze through. So hopefully Winnipeg can actually come out with the uh, the nice win on this one. Gibson in the past has been a bit of a thorn in the side of the Jets, but this year he's not really had particularly much defensive support and his own performance on the ice is not super great. So let's get four points this weekend, right? That's what we want. Now, Speaking of younger teams and things, I, I wanted to close out with something a little bit off topic that I thought would be really relevant for a lot of you. A lot of you have followed the World Cup this year. I have personally followed it. I'm rooting for all of our Asian teams. Uh, obviously, I'm half Korean, so it's a big deal for us to see uh, Asian, East Asian players really succeeding on the world stage. 
But a lot of you are probably curious to know what happened during the World Cup run for Canada and what to make of their early group stage exit. We'll talk about the implications and why you really shouldn't be viewing this as a disappointment. If you are, there's a few of you, I know there are, but I think this is a phenomenal learning experience for what is going to become a great force in North American football. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're closing out this episode tonight with some quick thoughts and final thoughts on Canada's stay at the World Cup. You're going to see a lot of prognosticators going on and on about this team, what went right, what went wrong. At the end of the day, I think the most important takeaway is that Canada made the dance. And not only did they make the dance, but they actually played competitive football against teams like Belgium. They had some brief spurts against uh, Morocco, although that was a lot less sure. Um, and every now and then they had some moments against, you know, some of the other uh, opponents in the group stage. But, you know, Croatia, I think, was one of the the tougher losses for them. I think that one they really had hoped to have a better showing after what they thought was a really good performance against Belgium. But the reality is, you know, you're, you're in a group with supposedly the number two ranked team in the world. They're, they're really not number two, let's be real. But Croatia, legitimately a monster opponent. Uh, they have made the World Cup finals recently. You know, Morocco is a very underrated squad in their own right. I think Morocco very much deserved the win, and they have some phenomenally underrated players. Ashraf Hakimi, if you've ever watched him for PSG or Dortmund, you know that that dude out wide is one of the best premier attacking full fullbacks in the world. El Nisseri, for those of you who are La Liga fans, you know his reputation as being a phenomenal poacher and scorer. So, uh, you know, Ziyech uh, finally getting a chance to show why Chelsea were really interested in bringing him from Ajax. Underrated team. Canada always had an uphill struggle. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, they found the limits of how far they could push things. This team was very good for CONCACAF qualifying and getting into the World Cup. But, you know, once you at, hit the stage of, of football and you realize the the quality of competition just exponentially increases, the depth increases, it's it's a lot harder for a team like Canada, which really can't afford mediocre contributions from anyone in the lineup because the bench doesn't really have a lot of depth. And even the starting lineup is a little bit on the mediocre side. You start moving into the midfield and the back line and you realize, yeah, Canada has some longer term positions of need. Even the goaltending is going to be a concern uh, with Borean needing to be replaced. He wasn't good this tournament. And Sinclair might be an option, but, you know, maybe Canada looks elsewhere they're going to want to keep their options open, but all of this is to say the future is really bright. There's a really good core of young, like early 20s players who are going to have multiple World Cups in them. They've got tons of tournaments in between, whether it's CONCACAF or otherwise. They've got massive domestic football competitions to win. This is an extremely talented group of young uh, men who have come through the ranks, and Herdman's work with the women's team I think has informed a lot of the ways that he sees the men's team. He's going to have to change some of that because, you know, the women's team is already at the peak. They've accomplished phenomenal, phenomenal landmarks in Canadian footballing history. But, you know, the men's team still a burgeoning program. This is like the first real run of sustained success that they've had. And, you know, the, the kids are really starting to hit their stride, but they're still maturing and growing in experience. So just making the World Cup, just having them, feel the pressure, feel the world stage. It's invaluable stuff. All of these other teams have been here multiple times. Many of these players have made it, you know, three, four World Cups. There's a lot of experience that they came up against. 
Canada really doesn't have any of that. This is a very nascent program. And you, you can see that there's a lot that they're still working on, but the future is spread. I think that's the most important takeaway. They've gained a ton of experience and you really can't view this as a disappointment. Did they make tactical and lineup issue, you know, errors and stuff? Yes, there were misjudgments, there were mistakes, but it is what it is. Anything that happened past the group stages was gravy. Even the group stages themselves were gravy. Making the dance, that's what was the landmark. And so many young Canadian men and, men and women are going to be really excited to try and join one of these Canadian soccer programs and maybe make their mark on the national team in a handful of years. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this run or any of the other topics that we talked about, whether it's the Ducks or the Jackets. Let me know how you felt about the World Cup. Maybe you're rooting for somebody else. If you are, tell me who you're rooting for below and whether or not they've been eliminated or uh, give your thoughts on the Canadian men's national team. Again, in the YouTube comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It features the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and our famous take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasting uh, podcasts. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.